In this episode of my podcast, Relentless Life on Your Terms, episode three, season two, I sit down with a very talented Lise Guaichi, who started his career as a carpenter. To fast forward 15 years later, to work with some of the biggest volume builders in this country, to now being the general manager at Glenville Homes. Glenville is one of the most awarded builders in this country and has been going since 1958. We talk about his incredible journey and how far he's managed to go in 15 years to picking the right builder to ensuring that you can find the right quality home as an investment or as an owner-occupier. And then remember, if you like this content, please share, like, and subscribe. Thank you. Welcome to my podcast, Relentless Life on Your Terms. I have a very special guest and friend of mine, Liz Guachi. How are you, mate? Good, mate. And you? Very well. Thanks for joining us. Now, a little bit about Lee. Started as a carpenter in his early 20s. He's now a general manager for Glenville Homes, one of the most awarded builders in the country. He's been going since 1958 and has worked with some of the biggest builders in this country. So, Lee, tell us a bit about your journey, how you started and how you got so far in such a short period of time. Uh, mate, well, yeah, started at, um, started at the bottom. Uh, literally, first-year apprentices don't do the good stuff on the building site. So uh, a lot of cleaning, a lot of grinding, um, and found myself, obviously, always wanting more, always wanting to, to do more and to push myself. And I think that's how I found myself where I am today. Did you envision 15 years ago when you were 20 and you were a carpenter that you'd be a GM for such a big firm? I, um, I, I, look, I didn't, but I, I also, there was a part of me that knew that I wasn't doing what I wanted to do and I knew that I could contribute more. Um, and I, I didn't know what that looked like. Uh, I, I was very young, naive, but I just, I probably thought that, um, I've mentioned this to you before, that if and when approach, I was very much fixated on that. If, I, if I'd done something, if I have this, or when that happens to me, then I'm gonna be happy. But I just found that um, that didn't work either. Yeah. yeah, but also you would have had some sort of belief in yourself to say that I can go that far. What instilled that confidence or that path? Was it someone that said, hey, Lee, you're not going to be able to do this? Or someone said, Lee, you can do this? Because it's a, all of that's a mindset. To get the way you have, you obviously need hard work, but you need a lot of belief in yourself as well. What was it? Uh, it was belief. It was, it was genuine belief um, that, that I've, I've been given, obviously, through my parents that that allow me to have that sort of belief. And, and I believe that um, there was nothing that, there was really nothing that was stopping me besides me. Yes, I needed to improve. Yes, I needed to go do some learning. I needed to go to night school. And I did all those things and worked pretty hard. But I, th I think that was the nucleus. And not having a real limit on myself, I do believe in no limits. Um, so I don't put a limit on what I can achieve or what, what anyone around me can achieve as well. All right, well, I have to ask this question. It's unfortunate that I have to ask this every time I'm on a podcast now. Being in the building industry like you're in, Lee, how has COVID affected your business, whether it be in production, selling of homes, how you've pivoted your team, your software? What was it exactly? What has it looked like for Glenville during this period? You know, the first stage, I think it was a shock. Everyone was um, not sure. You didn't know how aggressive to be. You didn't know... You actually didn't take it seriously, to be honest. I think in October last year, it just didn't seem like it was going to happen for us. It wasn't not going to hurt us at all. 
But for us, we, we had a good look at ourselves internally and we made assumptions, good assumptions on how the business was going to perform. And there's no doubt we've seen less sales, less revenue. So we've tried to channel that and into the right spots, I guess. And we've looked at business improvement. Um, and that's been from the customer journey to instilling software initiatives and even launching a, a new business, which we had about a month ago as well. So you've basically spent more money auditing your business, helping your team and all that out to, just so you can pick up efficiencies. Is that right? Yeah, it was, I think we, we created like a, a fake task force for a bit of fun. And um, what we looked at is that we saw that this could be an opportunity where the bigger guys and some of our competitors might be thinking a little bit differently. So we thought, well, maybe we can bridge that gap. Maybe we can play a bit of catch up during this period of time. And we've, we've rolled out new software initiatives and spent um, money in, like we've never even spent it before just to try to gain improvements. And that's the exciting thing to see that we're three weeks out of being out of stage four lockdown. And I think we're going to launch some new software platforms and initiatives in the next couple of weeks around that same time. So that's been really cool. And I know it's going to pay dividends in, uh, in the years to come as well. So you're basically doing things to future-proof your business, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's things we did with the customer experience. We commissioned your business to, you know, be open and honest and tell us things we needed to hear. We needed to have those sessions where we put everything on the table and we said to ourselves, well, we want to be better. How are we going to be better? And we've now rolled out new systems and processes that we believe are going to be um, more engaging to our customers as well. And we didn't put a ceiling on that. And it's one of the things I like working with Glenville is because you're always committed to, to improving for the customer service experience and just becoming a better builder. And being around for 62 years, you must be doing a few things right if you've got that sort of mindset. So that, that's fantastic. Now, I've heard you speak a few times about post-COVID and yeah. what it would look like. I've got two questions. When do you think post-COVID is and what do you think that will actually do to, to the building industry? Because I guess my views, my views on post-COVID, I don't think we've seen the financial hurt that we're going to see because obviously all of our business being in property or in building, it's all pipeline business, which means we'll eventually dry out. Job keeper and job seeker, I think is masking our unemployment rates. We're not seeing a true unemployment reflection. So now it's seven and a half, eight percent I think it will go 12, 13, 14%, which is big numbers. But when you consider that people, when they don't have job keeper, job seeker, then you're going to see the true things of business. I spoke to someone who does auditing of businesses, and he reckons a lot of people, due to the stimulus package, have got, gave them a little bit more room to move and they can breathe. But he goes, he's probably going to be inundated with what's going to happen when the stimulus all stops. How do you see all this panning out, Lee? I, I think you've got to have your, your one arm and leg in each, each scenario. So we run models and we're, we're still budgeting and making assumptions on what it looks like post-COVID. The positive aspect of it is you might look at previous events like the GFC, even if you went back to a uh, disease-based event like SARS, everything suggests that there's normally a boom in housing once we get through these sort of things as well. So we look at those models. Um, we do know that there's going to be a bit of pain for every business owner and every business, but you probably just need to project that not over a typical year. You need to project that over the next few years and look at some positives that you can take out of it as well. And I think that the lack of immigration is probably the biggest concern that's going to hurt housing, the lack of people coming and calling Australia home. 
But uh, I think a lot of builders are going to be ready for the bounce back as well. And the ones that do survive this will obviously get stronger. And as you guys are doing your auditing, your business, as you mentioned. Now, leads me into my next question. What positives have you seen from a company business sense or a building sense that's going to come out of COVID? The positive is, is that you, you learn more about your people. Um, we want to be a destination club for the best talent in housing. And that's what we talk about internally. We want the best people in the industry to want to come and work at Glenville. Uh, we've learned that you can decentralise your business, you can plug and play, and you can still gain the same efficiencies. And that's been really cool to see. We've had a couple of record months in site starts of late as well. And we're doing that with people working from home. Um, and I think that's one of the great learnings you'll take out of this is that if you've got good staff and you trust them, then they don't need to be in the office to perform. You know, a very interesting thing that I want to ask my team, because I think it comes down to mental health. A lot of people, if you told them post-COVID, would you love to work from home? Everyone would probably say yes. But now a lot of people actually want to go back to work. What do you think your team sentiment would be if you offered them, like Twitter saying a lot can work from home now as well. If you said to your team, you can work from home or come to the office or a hybrid, what do you think they'll pick? I think, that, I think they'll pick a balance of the two. Right? And I think that that's what we'll be planning for. We'll be planning for some flexibility. Um, and I think that that's what we need, we need to acknowledge now that these, these big corporate offices, we've got four floors in Cremorne that are empty right now um, and we're still operating. So I think there'll be a balance. I think that when you look to grow your business, you probably don't need to be looking at um, bums on seats is what you might traditionally call it. But yeah, I think a lot of my staff are at that point where they just want to come into the office and be around their friends. Um, and that's, that's pretty cool. So. I heard that too from a lot of my team. They go, we can't wait to come back in the office. But before, we'd love to work from home. But I don't feel, for me personally, I cannot wait till I can go back into the office. Not just the fact that we're homeschooling with four kids and we're locked down in our apartment, but I love being in the office. I feel you can see your team. The team camaraderie is a lot different. It's a lot more fun. It's a lot more engaging. But a lot of people are saying hybrid would be the ideal scenario where you can you not have to worry about traffic and work from home, but also the biggest advantage is the interruptions, not having them. I'm not talking if you've got kids, but let's just sound a normal circumstance you're at home. Yeah. It's a lot easier to get work done. If you're in the office, how many times do people come up to you and ask you questions all day? <laughs> I know. I know you're very much more productive, but I do feel for my staff at home, there's a lot of people homeschooling right now as well and looking after their kids and working for me as well. It's, it's a difficult time. So we, we've put wellness on high on the agenda for right now as well. Oh, that was my next question. So mental health of your team and, and for, for wellness and stuff, it's something you put a priority on for your team now? Yeah, we, we've looked at it um, from, a, from, I guess, from a holistic point of view. We, don't, we know it's going to be that wellness component is the biggest, biggest thing that we need to charter ourselves with right now. Um, and we're looking at getting really good support around us to do so. So we're rolling out... Um, some work that we're doing with Headspace and the Resilience Project as well. And we're going to be rolling that out to all of our staff across Australia. Um, and not just for a small period of time, it's going to be for an indefinite period of time. And um, having that high on the agenda is really important to me. And it's good for your team. You're going to see any productivity. So Lee, you've been in housing and you've seen thousands of deals and thousands of houses. What would you say some of the key things for somebody listening to be looking out for when building a home? I think, I think um, sticking to what the builder does well, if you look at the volume aspect, um, 
builders have specific designs, offer specific products for a good reason that they believe in that volume, that repetition of that. And for the most part, you only get some of the better gains in timing, uh, efficiencies and quality when you stick to what the builder's actually selling you. Uh, my advice to any prospective purchaser is believe in the builder's product. Don't try to over-customize it in volume. Unless you're coming to my custom builder arm, then you can go for your life with my architect and that's fine too. When picking a builder, what are the things that people should look for? Look for honesty. Um, Look for integrity. There's a lot of people popping up right now. We've got 62 years of history. Um, we're still going to be around post-COVID. We're going to be around in most markets. Um, and I think that if you're looking to spend your biggest investment, spend it on a builder that might not be the cheapest, but is going to be there and, and is not over-promising. And it's just going to offer you um, a really fair and honest outcome and a fun experience. Building should be fun, CC. We sh I enjoy it still. I know you enjoy it. enjoy it. You mentioned price. I always say the cheapest is the most expensive build you're ever going to get because you're going to have to redo things. When you go to an expensive build, in most cases, I'm not suggesting yours expensive, they're actually cheaper because you're getting a quality product that you don't have to keep redoing going over and over. And you see when people cut corners, it's going to, it's going to show in the quality or it's going to show in the longevity or the integrity of the house. It has to. Yeah, I think people understand that now too, mate. Um, I think people just want, I think the market's changed. Everyone just wants their builders to be real. I don't think they want disclaimers. I don't, I don't think they want these fire sales, these billboards saying, um, look how cheap we can get you a home because it's your home. People are proud of that. No one's ever going to be proud on the money that they spent. They're going to be proud of the outcome that they get once they're completed. And I, and I refer to a brand. I think brand recognition is good for home builders as well. And you want to feel good viscerally when you're walking into your home, whether it be your own home or an investment product. And if you build an investment product that's appealing to both, both home buyers and investors, you're going to open your market up to who you can sell that to as well. It's going to be easier to rent. It's going to be easier to sell down the track. There's going to be so many more benefits to that. And I think you go to certain builders that are build an investment product it actually looks like an investment product. It just looks nasty, which is why I guess we do a lot of work with Glenville because the product comes out and it's something you'd say, I'd live in that product and I'm very happy to sell and represent it. I think that's very important when picking a builder as well. Well, both of our business models, mate, they, they encourage second and third time customers. You know, that's, that's the benefit when you're trying to get an outcome for a client with a view for them to come back and be your client again. That's when design... Uh, comes into it affordability and longevity, uh, which is what what every customer wants. Whether it's an investment or a, an owner occupier, they they want it to look and feel a certain way. And I think Glenville do that very well. Now, Leah, I've got to ask you. In the name of our podcast, Relentless Life on Your Terms, how does a guy from the western suburbs start as a carpenter, go all the way up to represent a builder now with sixty two years experience, one of the most awarded builders in the country? What what belief system or what, what was the pivotal point in your career? Now, we're not going to say it was hard work because hard work, you have to work hard to get to that point in 15 years. Everyone knows that. What was the one point where you said, I really need to back myself here? What was the pivotal point in your career that switched? I think it's, um, I, I generally know it's that early 20s when um, I was looking at my friends going to all different universities and social media is a killer for that. Um, especially when, when you're not doing those things. And it, I was disappointed in myself. 
Um, I was a bit embarrassed. To give you an example of how embarrassed I was, um, grew up, I was in Hoppers Crossing. I was meant to do my TAFE in Newport and I, um, I chose to go all the way to Broadmeadows at Kangan Batman TAFE so uh, nobody would recognise me and see that I was um, just doing a carpentry apprenticeship. And that, that's the moment for me when I, I really pivoted because I knew that I wasn't happy with what I was doing and I wanted to do more. I think it's very, very important to always strive for more. And I can't believe you went to Broadmeadows TAFE because that's the same school that I went to. It was my sixth, my sixth option. My marks weren't that good, so it's the only one I could get into. I did computer technician. I don't even know if you knew that, but... No, I didn't know that. And it was, it was your, your only option? Is it, is that what you're saying? It was my sixth or seventh. So, you know, when you finish school, and we're going back to 97 now, and you've got to put all your preferences... Yeah, I picked a couple unis. There was no way anyone was going to take me. My grades were that bad. And Kankin, Batman, Brody was, I think it was sixth or seventh option. And I received the phone call that I got accepted. I told mum, you're not going to believe I got accepted. She goes, to where? I go, it doesn't matter. I got accepted. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was to Brody. But look, I enjoyed it there. And yes, it was a bit rough, but I enjoyed a lot of the process there. And I think it's, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So, and I met some great people there too. Some hardworking people that you mentioned resilience that are resilient, that back themselves and do great things. So I learned a lot from, from going there. And I, there you go. There's another commonality between the two of us. Now, yeah. Lee, before we head off, we've got a few questions. Is there anything you want to add before we go to our quick fire round? No, I'm good to go, mate. Ready to go. Right. Quick fire round. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, 20 questions. Do you have any pets? Yes, two little boys, dogs. What's your favourite colour? Blue. Good, same as mine. You know every colour has a meaning, so healing and wealth is blue. So have a look it up. You're attracted to colours usually because there's something about the energy to that colour. And we're attracted to the same one. So there you go. Favourite TV show? Seinfeld. Greatest show of all time. I have to ask because it's mine as well. Who's your favourite character? Um, at the moment, my favourite character is probably Kramer, I'd say. I watch it a fair bit. I re-watch it. I like everybody. Um, I like a character differently every single time. It's amazing. You know, season number one was called The Seinfeld Chronicles? No. And Elaine wasn't in it? Really? Season number one. If you look at it, it's called Seinfeld Chronicles. It almost got pulled off the air. Because it wasn't successful. They moved the primetime TV. They added a lane. It became the most successful show of all time. There you go. Um, what's your favourite uh, favorite movie? Favourite movie, I'm going to say, is uh, Meet Joe Black. Um, for some reason, I, I, I've watched that heaps of times and it tells me a bit of a different story every single time. It's a pretty, pretty cool movie. Pretty the one is old and then becomes young? No, no. This is... Um, he's... He, he actually, um, he dies, but he comes back as um, death, essentially. And it's, it's got Anthony Hopkins in it, who a massive fan of as well. And um, really cool movie. I suggest you give it, a, give it a go. I will. Dark chocolate, milk chocolate. Milk chocolate, mate. iPhone, Android. iPhone. Describe yourself in three words. Uh, determined, uh, caring, and giving. You sure are those three. One item you, you can't leave your house without besides your phone. You can't say your phone. Um, keys to the car, mate. Need to, need to, need to get, get somewhere. What annoys you the most? Give me one pet peeve. Uh, 
Uh, people that that limit themselves and don't believe in themselves, um, that, that bothers me. I, if people lose self-belief and, and don't have stopped stop trying, um, that bothers me because I want, I want more for them and I want them to achieve as much as they can. I like that. And you, and you, you are a great leader and I'm sure, I'm sure you instill that in all your team. Um, best bit of advice you've ever received? Um, celebrate the wins along the way. Um, so from a, a rival competitor who I catch up with every now and then, he just said to me, he goes, look, Chloe, you're, you're working really hard. Um, you're doing all these great things, but make sure in the moment you celebrate the wins. And we, we do that very well with the staff here at Glenville. It's something that we really want to um, have an ethos and really believe in and make sure that we do along the way. So important too. I've mentioned to you, that's our seventh Reventon spirit. Uh, four forward and celebrate wins. It's so important to enjoy the process. Um, if you could have one last meal, what would it be? My mum's lasagna. Excellent. If you weren't in the building industry, what would you be? I'd love to be a lawyer. Still kind of like to be a lawyer. Not, not a marine biologist? <laughs> no. Um, not a either for the <laughs> Now, if your house is on fire and you went, ran back in to pick up two things, what would you get? I'd um, go grab my, uh, my grandfather's cufflinks, which my father gave to me. Um, the other thing, I'd, I'd grab um, some family photos. So sentimental things you can't buy. Lee, I've never seen the cufflinks. I want to see them one day. So take a photo and send them to you. I'm very interested to see what they look like. And a tie clip as well, a matching tie clip as well. Please send me it. Definitely want to see it. Name of a book you've read that's positively influenced you. Um, I read this book as well as my hundred staff that I have that you gave it to. So it's called Your Path to Wealth, Brick by Brick. I'll give you 50 later for that. Thank you, Lee. So, uh, we, we do appreciate that. You, got, you did give all my staff a copy of your book and a bit of a welcome pack. And it's really cool. Like it, They've all got it on their desks. It's pretty cool. So um, a book I do want to read though, mate, at the moment is um, One, No One and One, 100,000. It's by Luigi Pirandello. Um, it's an old book from 1924, but um, I'm really excited to read it. I just haven't been able to read it because I normally only read when I um, go on a holiday or take a break from work. So wouldn't thought doing that. Well, that won't be a while. Um, <laughs> I suggest audio books as well. They're pretty good. I, I do a lot of my um, listening and reading simultaneously so I can absorb more content. And that might be a quick way for you to do it as well. Who would play you in a movie of your life? I'd say... Sylvester Stallone would be would be great. Uh, the Tango and Cash version. I like him in that movie. I love Tango and Cash. Good movie. Any tattoos? If so, where? Uh, I got one on my back that I'd love to get rid of. We've all made mistakes. You did it many years ago? <laughs> yeah, when I was a chippy. <laughs> I did mine in London. Uh, now, if you had one superpower, what would it be? Uh, to go back in time, mate. Okay. Get rid of that tattoo. Uh, if you, <laughs> if you could have dinner with three people, living or dead, who would you invite? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Lewis Hamilton for what he's, what he's done in sport, and uh, Bob Hawke for what he did in politics. Really, really um, three pretty cool people and big fan of Arnold's um, no plan B approach as well, which is pretty cool. You said he's, he's influenced you by giving you that speech, and I really I remember that. And Bob Hawke was an ambassador of Australian snooker for many, many years. It's now currently in Chapel. So it was the Australian Bob Hawk Open used to be called in Sydney. So there you go. Now, one strange fact no one knows about you. 
Um, Lee's not my name by birth, but I'm not going to share it. Well, now that you've on the podcast, you're going to get a lot of emails and calls asking about your name, Lee. So there you go. Now, a couple of things. What would you want the listeners to take away from listening to this podcast, whether it be from your journey or from picking a builder? What would be a couple of key takeaways you'd want people to, to take away from this? I'd just take away, like I think the one thing to take away is that no limits approach. Um, don't limit yourself. Don't limit the people around you. Um, don't pigeonhole your staff. Uh, believe in yourself and believe that you can you can do whatever you put your mind to. Um, and I live that ethos about no no limits. And I think if you do that, something tends to happen for the real positive. And I think that it gives you something to look forward to as well. So always having something to look forward to and a no limit approach is is really important. And you're a testament to that as well. I think you're always striving for more, which is great. On a scale from one to 10, how much have you enjoyed the podcast? Uh, uh, nine. <laughs> so that's good. Never got a nine in a test for a long time, Lisa. Thank you very much. Thank you for all you listeners out there. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please remember to subscribe, share, and like the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lee, for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Enjoy.